0: Hold on, I have to pause. I have to pee. Oh sorry. my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am a flesh bag and I have to deal with...
1: This is super weird. I'm just on the recording by myself. I could leave a secret message for Kyle, but just have a look at my Google feed. Why I call myself a geriatric millennial and why our microgeneration matters just... Well, I don't care about this bullshit, you know? Tired of the same old sandwiches? Try these four recipes.
0: Mission accomplished. What were you talking about? Recipes?
1: I'm actually yes. super excited to record this episode with you because yeah. I'm gonna jump the gun right away and (gasps) say that this is my favorite episode of Dickinson
0: damn right it is (laughs) it's
1: It's fucking incredible good it's so good it's so good I watched it and I was like I like I was like I I like this better than than everything else yeah this is just this is just the best this is as good as it gets I was like because like we we gushed about split the lark a lot but actually this episode is better than that
0: i agree i think they are two very different animals but like hot damn this episode is incredible
1: it's really good um (laughs) but just so we can like get back on Mm -hmm, track mm -hmm. um everyone you are listening to edicts on edicts a podcast about emily dickinson
0: some nobody
1: (laughs) who is this bitch anyway all i know is that all i know is that she wrote some poems were they even good were they even good and today i think we're going to hear from some amherstians about whether or not those she was a good poet or not carl what what episode are we because we're talking about dickinson for those of you that are just tuning in yes. what are you doing
0: going back to the beginning <laughs> of this season please don't listen to season one what a pile of trash don't <laughs> worry about that just
1: just just go back to the beginning of season two listen from there but for those of you that are joining us and don't know what we're doing we are talking about Emily Dickinson through the lens of examining Dickinson the Apple Plus TV show we're gonna talk about the episode review it discuss bits and pieces about Emily's life Mm -hmm. and the real Emily and probably read a poem as well um, at some point, maybe. What, what episode are we talking about today?
0: We are discussing episode eight of season two of Dickinson, which is I'm Nobody, Who Are You? And this episode is written by Elena Smith, the showrunner of Dickinson, and Iowa DeBerry, the woman who is playing Hattie throughout the season. And it is directed by Stacey Passan, who directed episode seven. Oof. Yep. As I said at the beginning of this season, keep your eye on Io Debrey. I'm pretty sure she's the secret weapon of the show this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's quite a dream. dream. It's a nice little dream team there, really. Because mm-hmm. um, I think the direction on episode seven was solid. Yes. And yeah, like we, we've got, you know, two good writers there, both of which are probably bringing some very different perspectives into play.
0: I think so. And I think that's what makes the episode work.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I would say so. So do you want to summarize
0: the episode or shall I? What do do you think? Plunge and go for it. Give it to us. This is the episode where Emily Dickinson gets published in the Springfield Republican. It happens. And everyone moves on with their lives. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like um Yep, Emily turns invisible. And spends the entire episode wandering around, listening to what people think about her, which is not very much. People are busy.
1: They've got lives to live. They've
0: got lives to live. And we finally get a payoff to what's been happening in the barn with the Constellation, the underground newspaper that Henry and um, some of the other black characters of Amherst have been running, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge payoff in my mind. And... When I said at the start of recording this season that this is the, like, this makes me eat all my criticism. The scene in the barn. Uh, the scene in the barn is what makes me eat all my criticism. Oh, it's anyway, great, isn't it? It's yeah. so good. And then we learn that Sue has been fucking Sam Bowles for I God mean, only knows how long.
1: <laughs> I mean, were any of us surprised? Like, <laughs> I, I did my nails. While, yeah. while this river was revealed i was like if i can just what am i doing and i was there like trying to get the nail polish off the edge of my finger and i was like oh whatever <laughs> i'm <just>, not surprised
0: <laughs> just like oh <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs>
1: yeah there's a there's a lot of good stuff here we also have um another encounter with the ghostly nobody also with wiz khalifa Wiz Khalifa's like, back <laughs> <laughs> As death and yes. fucking out, Edgar Allan Poe.
0: Um, <laughs> which <laughs> so, I know uh, we can get to it later, but I was like, I also eat all my criticism about Wiz Khalifa's performance in this. Because <laughs> I think he's really good.
1: I know, which is crazy, because the last time he was on, I was like, mm, okay, Wiz Khalifa, like, like yeah. Mm. But this time I was like, damn, like, Wiz Khalifa. Like. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, i've got no idea but man you're doing a good job but yes so the episode opens with um emily with the newspaper and the, this is the thing like,
0: think, to open one, uh, episode one with yeah right being printed yeah mm-hmm.
1: and then like the newspaper arrives at the dickinson household and emily runs downstairs says to get it
0: she whispers immortality holy shit
1: Yeah, that's it. She says immortality, holy shit, which I thought was great, because Mm -hmm. in many ways, this episode is really calling back to the first episode of the whole show, I think, you know, not just that death comes back, but also this emphasis on immortality, Mm -hmm. um, which was something that was discussed in season one, episode one.
0: And is discussed throughout her poems and her writings and it, as well. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, Immortality is a big theme for the real Emily Dickinson. I think it's completely apt that seeing it in the newspaper, seeing mm-hmm. her poem in the newspaper, she, that would be her...
0: Her first glimpse.
1: Yes, exactly. But then over breakfast, she discovers she's invisible when yeah. Lavinia and Mrs. Dickinson and her father discuss the poem in the newspaper what did you make of that scene because the characters all have different reactions don't they
0: yes yes Lavinia has the reaction of like oh my gosh I feel seen like what an incredible work of art that is about me (laughs) yeah
1: so it's so weird isn't it like it's like I just don't relate I don't know if it's maybe again like a slightly like transatlantic miscommunication but like what's an does...
0: American thing
1: <laughs> yeah an American thing like what does it mean when it's like I feel seen like is that
0: oh just... like this is a like reflection of my feelings like I feel this and someone has put it out into the world so like right I feel okay. seen by this person
1: yeah oh right I see okay. yeah that makes sense but also yes. does Lavinia really feel seen or is she just saying that
0: I think okay. it's pretty clear that she's just making it about herself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shut up, Vinny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Lavinia has that kind of reaction. And then yeah. um Mrs. Dickinson, like her hands visibly shake as she drinks her cup of tea.
0: Because she's like, oh shit, she did she got published again. Yeah, I love how she's like, who
1: wrote it? And then <laughs> (laughs) It's like E. Dickens, it's like, what's it, it? Emily? Your
0: daughter. Yeah, Yeah, your daughter, Emily. (laughs) I love, how could this have happened? Did Austin enter another contest? Like, she's still quite, she hasn't quite figured out what happened.
1: (laughs) I love the the fact that Mrs. Dickinson lives in the house with Emily and still has not quite twigged that Emily is a poet. Yeah. Like, she just hasn't quite understood that. It's like, I don't know, my daughter just, like, lives upstairs and... Okay. just—I don't know—I don't know what she does with her time. Like, but then Mister Dickinson, like Mrs Dickinson, thinks Mister Dickinson is going to have a bad reaction, but actually, right. his reaction is pretty good, right?
0: Yeah, he's just he's sort like, of like, "Oh, it's a pretty good poem."
1: Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, "I guess nothing can stop her now." Like, yeah, she's—he seems almost proud, really. So it kind of shows that development that he's just like because in the season one, when she had a poem in the newspaper,
0: he slapped her.
1: Yeah, whereas now it's like.
0: No, it's pretty good. Which is kind of a reflection of the actual Mr. Dickinson.
1: Yeah, because I think we what I, one of the things I appreciate about the show is that it's un, undeniably a feminist show, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't have an all-round negative view of its male characters. Like, we're right. seeing Mr. Dickinson is much more encouraging of Emily now than yes. he was before and is perhaps a more nurturing figure than Mrs. Dickinson is in some ways. Mm. Um and then Austin um is using his Austin. wealth and privilege as much as he can to to, to help other people. To help other people, definitely. Mm. But and, and Emily herself has a number of positive interactions with male mm. role models. Mm-hmm. Not role role models maybe is not the right word, but, but like but like
0: mentors or
1: mentors, yeah, yeah kind of
0: who um, don't so I condescend think, to her because she's a woman. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that that's one of the nice things about the show. And mm-hmm. um, we, you know, it, and it just goes to show like you can be a feminist without having the, the view that all men are problematic. Um, I think, and the same,
0: you know. I think that idea of feminism equals all men are problematic comes from men and not necessarily like an actual investigation of feminism.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think it's not as simple as that, because I think mm. that there are a lot, plenty of women that also don't really understand feminism. This is true. And, is and, they, true. and they use it to justify mm. that viewpoint of all men are problematic. Um, but yes, I think that there's plenty of men who willfully misunderstand feminism because it suits them. So exactly. like it's, 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 yeah, it's a complicated issue, but I think you can definitely be a feminist and not be... anti-man as it were yeah misandrist Misandrist. yeah yeah Uh, i was just gonna say like there are some people though like um i don't know if you know there's a comedian here in the uk called Catherine ryan i don't know if you've heard of her
0: i don't know that name no
1: no she's she's canadian originally but she's she's come over here and she's like quite a big comedian over here now Mm -hmm. and her whole shtick she, she was quite popular until recently. And then recently she produced a TV show for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the promotional tour of that, she went around saying like, oh, I'm definitely a misandrist. I hate men, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and she equated that to being feminist. And of course no. that led to,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So like, and she had a very public platform from which to do that. Mm. Um, and so I think that that was actually quite damaging for feminism um
0: right That's a
1: shame sorry i always digress but i digress no no, no, no. that's fine uh,
0: that's it's yeah. interesting
1: and i i just like that dick dickinson as a show um
0: mm. is
1: unapologetic about about loving its female characters um but also
0: like giving space to the male characters so that they can show nuances because again like in season one one of my critiques or one of our shared critiques actually was that the men were often just straw men for like anti-feminist behaviors or like misogynistic behaviors and i think this season has done a very good job of like applying some gray to that
1: yeah they in season one they had a they did have a a slightly immature
0: Mm, mm,
1: mm -hmm. approach to it Mm -hmm. and I wonder if that's a reflection of the fact that Emily as a character was immature right so she had that perspective that men actually I was going to mention it later but I think it's important to note that when Emily is invisible Mm -hmm. the one person that sees her is Austin
0: I Um, fucking my favorite part of this episode in an episode filled with my favorite things my favorite is that Austin is the one who sees her
1: because I think it speaks massive volumes to the fact that Austin is a sensitive soul yes. who, who shares more in common with Emily than she probably is aware of. Yes. And I, I think that's very powerful. But yeah, so Emily like is invisible when she... Oh, uh, wait, I just
0: want to spare you the embarrassment of forgetting his name again. Shipley is also at the breakfast table. Um... Oh,
1: fuck, I forgot he was even there, to be
0: honest with you. <laughs> The real invisible character is Shipley. Uh. I mean, the thing is, is
1: like when I actually see him on screen, I think he's quite good. Yeah. Like who's the actor? Pico Pico Alexander. Alexander. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's actually been in some good stuff. Yeah. But he does a pretty good job. And I actually think he's quite funny sometimes. Yes. Um, But you apparently
0: cannot remember him at all.
1: (laughs) But like he has this weird curse where as soon as he's off screen, I'm just like a mist descends. Yeah.
0: I only bring him up because I love the fact that he completely misunderstands the poem, which he's like, it's about getting wasted. And Lavinia is there to be like, no, no, no. It's about like uh
1: Being intoxicated by nature.
0: And, and a headiness that no liquor could ever provide or something. Yeah. And I, I like that they have that.
1: And I also like the argument in the kitchen between oh him and God. Lavinia. And then Emily's there and they can't see her. And then he's like, I love your pussy, but I'm leaving you. And then <laughs> Emily's like, like, he's definitely talking about the cat.
0: Which I feel like, I know we're not like attributing lines, but I was like, that feels like an Iowa debris line.
1: I <laughs> know oh, you see, I actually suspect that's an Elena Smith line. And the reason she I think did. that is because I think
0: she's aware of the kitty count, <laughs> and she's, teasing, and she's teasing me. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I know how to get these people on the hook for another season promising kitty content
1: more pussies um
0: <laughs> every time more pussies oh my god
1: yeah so then emily thinks that she's died yes. but she hasn't but she encounters nobody, nobody. and she and nobody go for a, for a walk around town don't they because like, yeah
0: he tells her that there's power in in being invisible and she's like what do you mean he's like well you can actually hear what people think about your poem and so they yeah. go into town and meet an um, a real-life internet comment section in the form of the people of Amherst.
1: Yeah, and I love this because I think, like, um, we don't really have these conversations so much in person anymore, but I think that people did have these conversations back in the day, you know? Yes. Like, in a world before radio yeah. and TV, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got the newspaper and you stood around whatever the you know 19th century equivalent of the water cooler was
0: right and you, the general store i guess the
1: general store yeah <laughs> and you you chatted about what's in the newspaper because what else was there to
0: talk about i love the exchange of the two men who are like you can tell like this this woman is like really smart and super lascivious <laughs> <laughs> and
1: how it like just descends into like i'm gonna go and go in the bushes around the back of our house and jerk off over a poem it's like what (laughs) like
0: people are people are trash everywhere throughout history
1: yeah throughout time there are trolls in every generation yeah and then there's a really interesting conversation between some of the black characters aren't there so we've got like hattie and uh um, henry
0: box brown is there i believe
1: henry box brown yeah and then mm-hmm. another character who I don't think is named. I don't
0: think we've um, seen before, maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, but I do, th- what I find really interesting is that they start off by saying that I think it's a good poem and Hattie's like, oh, I'm really pleased for her and yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. Yep. But then like amongst themselves, they almost change their own opinion. Yep. Because they like go from being like, oh, I like it. It's good to being
0: like, I find it offensive. It's offensive because it's not offensive at all
1: yeah it's like it's offensive because it's not offensive enough and i think this is mm-hmm. i have to say like a pet peeve of mine because this is something people really do say and then also hattie says be political or you're just wasting our time yeah and i think this does reflect like something some people do do get like sometimes especially online yeah which is like everything has to have a political agenda mm-hmm. or it has no value um and i i think that's kind of a kind of a postmodern. that's one of the pitfalls of postmodernism, perhaps mm. which is that everything is seen for a political almost everything is seen for a political, political lens. lens yeah and it's like actually sometimes art doesn't have i mean in my opinion art sometimes doesn't have to be political sometimes Has it been? can just be about like pleasure or yeah enlightenment or beauty have or you like
0: red dorian gray yeah. Oscar Wilde yeah. yeah. I think about the prologue of that all the time where it just ends yeah, on the line because like, is quite useless. <laughs> yes.
1: And, and and isn't it? He's like isn't Oscar Wilde making exactly that point? Like yeah. he's like, art that has an ulterior motive
0: is not, not art. Hard. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: And I think that it's one of the one perhaps and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take it even further here, Carl. Go, you go, might not agree with me. Go. But I think the reason why a lot of like very politicized pop cultural phenomena mm. such as like in inverted commas like woke culture which i don't te- don't always agree with like this characterization but you know there's the saying mm-hmm. get woke go broke right okay have you not heard that before no i have
0: not i right so i like- <laughs>
1: So, like, some people online now, they'll say Get Woke, Go Broke to point okay. to the fact that a lot of films that make a point of being, like, progressive oh, don't do okay. very well financially.
0: Sure, sure. Um, so,
1: like, for example, the Charlie's Angels reboot, right? Didn't see like, <laughs> Okay, hardly anyone did, yeah. Kyle. Like, that's my point.
0: The point, yeah. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> there and you the go. the same goes for, Case like,
1: Yeah, and, like, Captain Marvel, for example, was, like, Mm. one of the worst, um, like, reviewed Marvel films. It's still made
0: over a billion dollars.
1: I I know, I know, but, like, in... In But I. some people say this is because, like, people don't like woke culture and things like that. And I don't think it's that. I don't think people... turned off by a film with a female lead like I don't Mm. think that's the case at all no but I think it's that when you focus on politics to the expense of art Mm. it diminishes the enjoyment of the art that's like you have to walk like a tight you have to walk a tight tight rope like you you want to have positive messages and positive culture in your work I guess but yeah I, I find it interesting that like Hattie's criticism of Emily is like be political um, or
0: stop wasting our time.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's and that's a criticism you could point to Emily's poetry because the yeah. real life Emily Dickinson, she, she's not overtly very political. No, in her poems.
0: And I think it's so it's interesting in a lot of like the biographies that I'd read. They talk about how like why didn't she engage more with the Civil War? Like this thing was happening. And it's like it, it's very interesting that they feel like she has to overtly engage with it for her poetry to like be seen as war poetry
1: yeah yeah um or to or that you know she's she's somehow missing a trick or failing in her duties as a right. poet if she yes. doesn't address this
0: particular thing mm. i thought the the one character yeah who goes from like oh, I enjoy it. It's simple, but I enjoy this poem, who then ends that exchange by being like, you're right, and you have changed my mind. This poem is yeah. poem, and I am unimpressed.
1: <laughs> it's, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's like he has his opinion, but then all it takes is like, he, he his opinion is so weak, because yeah. he's prepared just to be like, to change his taste, yeah. to fit
0: in, basically. And also like, okay it's a poem and then it ends with them being like let's continue our lives
1: (laughs) yeah yeah which is which is which is good and accurate right like (laughs) because emily's like everyone should stop and praise me yeah um but like no like the reality is is like you put these things out in the world and what like even if you're super successful maybe one in ten people
0: actually like care enough and i guess that person is austin yeah, I yeah. know. And then the, the world... Came. Oh, I also loved... We see the other Amherstians.
1: Yeah, like um, Jane, the Jane the Widow. Jane and, and like Toshiaki. Toshiaki,
0: yeah. I, Jane is like, this poem really speaks to me specifically for my situation right now.
1: And it's like, how? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are a widow. <laughs> You're a rich widow with a
0: baby, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where is the I was, connection i, I was just about you at all and one of the others i forget which one but she just says like i love it i mean i don't get it but that's why i love it <laughs> yeah
1: and it, that's again it's like who says that like people do say that sort of people thing. people say that they? yeah do you like i think it's often the case because like um mm. for example when I, I remember my graduation day from university
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and like for me that was the culmination of about four years of hard work and study right Mm -hmm. and I worked really hard at my degree and I was super proud of myself yeah um and I remember like no one else cared yeah not even like not even just straight not even strangers I mean like even people in my family were just like Mm. okay yeah oh good nice yeah yeah And I was like, this is a huge thing. But like, it's like, no, everyone has a bachelor's degree now. So
0: yeah, like no (sighs) one cares. We're so educated. No, it it is kind of death of the ego sort of stuff where like you sort of have to reckon with the fact that you are not the center of the universe. You are only the center of your perspective. And like, this is a beautiful little illustration of that where Emily's just, okay, whatever. We keep going.
1: You alluded earlier to the fact that um, nobody as a character in Emily, yes. they they have a conversation um, <laughs> about invisible, things, invisible and, things. And I think that initially it's very easy to say, oh, well, fame is the topic of the episode. Um, but I don't think it is. I think invisibility is the topic mm-hmm. of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I think that is because this conversation kind of They have this conversation and nobody says the world runs on invisible things. Yes. Um, And being invisible is power, which is very true. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about the people that run the world now, in reality, it's the nameless CEOs of various corporations.
0: Mm -hmm. Or the boring legislators whose names we don't bother to learn.
1: Yeah, and they are basically invisible to us. Mm -hmm. And the names that we do know are the names of actors and things like that, who, like, yeah, they produce art, but they don't really have a lot of power in many ways, like Mm -hmm. hard power. They've got soft power, I suppose. Yes, Um, cultural
0: cachet. Yeah,
1: but they don't really have, like, the hard power. Whereas, take, I mean, do you know who the boss of Coca-Cola is? Sure don't. No, but then the other day I was buying coffee from a popular coffee chain here in the UK Mm -hmm. called Costa. Do you know Costa?
0: Oh, I do know Costa. Okay, yes.
1: Yeah, so like, they're like the British equivalent of a Starbucks, I guess. And uh, I happened to look like on their app, because I was ordering through their app. And I like went down to like the very bottom of the app and like clicked on the developing thing just like as a as like a curious thing Mm -hmm. and it said costa is a subsidiary of the coca-cola company
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i was like what the fuck like (laughs) i'm buying coffee but i'm just giving money to coca-cola
0: coca-cola yep
1: and it's that whole thing of like you think you have choice but then if you buy any drinks in the supermarket you're basically always buying from coca-cola
0: right but i do want to push against it because i think the invisible things that nobody is discussing are not necessarily within the human realm.
1: Yes. I think as that's, romantic that's as true. that is. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, but I just think right. his reflection, like being invisible is power is is and I think like to my mind like, the invisible people who have power now in the world, mm. they distract us with bread and circuses, aka takeout and the Oscars. <laughs> like
0: like oh my God. It's, yeah, I didn't watch um, the Oscars this year. I mean, they also happen early in the morning, and I only wake up early for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so like, I guess my point is, is like Emily wants fame, but then right. what would fame get her? Like, right. it wouldn't get her power. No, um,
0: and she says, "What is fame? Everyone just gets to talk about me, whether or not it's true." Yeah,
1: and yeah, that's basically that's what, what it is.
0: is. Yeah, you have given up power for the sake of. Being visible.
1: Yeah, you have
0: no control over what people know about you and say about you. Yes. Whereas choosing or being invisible gives you power beyond that. And he lists like the air we breathe, the breeze that blows and love itself. The world runs on invisible things.
1: Yeah, and it does. I mean, money is phantasmal at this point. Yeah, But then that, that conversation just kind of Book ends with one of the conversation with the um kind of gathering of um the black characters in the barn. Yes um, where we get the situation and it I can't remember who says it, but one of the characters says um we won't be invisible anymore.
0: I believe or it's Henry.
1: Like,
0: Not Henry Box Brown, the, but Henry the 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 publisher of the Yes. The servant from the Othello episode.
1: Yeah, so he says Well, because so won't be invisible any longer.
0: What I think is interesting in this scene, and like what I kind of wanted to discuss is that the whole season has been built around Emily publishing and becoming famous. And it's sort of been navigating like what is the point of publishing? And this instead gives us an alternative of that, which is using that notoriety for the sake of social justice. Because, like, um, we have Henry Box Brown and Hattie going at it again about, like, your stories are pointless. All you did was pop out of a box. Like, these two screaming or yelling at each other and then realizing that, like, ultimately they're committed to a mission larger than themselves, which is, you know, emancipation and abolition. Yeah. And, like, surely... Having a goal beyond just mere fame or self celebration makes the creation of art different. I don't think it necessarily has to be political to go back to that conversation, but if art is created just for the sake of like self aggrandizement, like it's also not good.
1: I mean, it does take us back yeah. to Oscar Wilde a bit because yes. this is almost like the counter argument to Oscar yes. Wilde, which is yeah. actually. Great and good movements throughout history have needed art mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to pioneer them and push them forwards. Yes. Um, and like they, you, you can't really argue against that because it's it's almost objectively true that art has contributed to the imp- improvement of humanity mm. in one way or another. Whether that is the abolition of slavery or mm. um, scientific discovery yes. or
0: LGBTQ rights.
1: Yeah, like art has contributed to those things, undeniably, right? So that that is the counter argument to Os- to Oscar Wilde's right um, indictment
0: of purposeful <laughs> art. Oscar um, Wilde, as a rich white man living in the UK, may have had a limited perspective.
1: <laughs> true. I mean, he was an Irishman in yes. England, in UK, and he was he was gay, so. and he was gay. So I I think. But yeah, you are right. He is essentially of the gentry. Yeah, had a very limited view, perhaps. Yes. Um, it's a philosophical question, and I think mm. the episode hints to it. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's a hard one to answer because yeah, it, there must be that there must be a balance somewhere where art is helpful, mm. but it's not the end all only, be all or reduced down to
0: being simply propaganda. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say um, I've read some interviews with Elena Smith in preparations for season three. And they said that they are going to sort of interrogate this question further because Mm. I feel like the episode kind of drops it. And I think it is a question worthy of further interrogation.
1: But the scene in the barn's great fun, isn't it? I mean, like, God, it's so so, good. (laughs) Yeah. And I just like everything about it. Like, costume choreography wow.
0: the scripting like the reveal just, of Hattie stealing Sue's gold dress like yeah I mean I, I loved it I clapped I was like and her just being like let me look hot <laughs>
1: yeah let me look hot it's like you stole that <laughs> let me look hot like
0: <laughs> I lo- it's really good yeah I love
1: how like Emily just kind of like is off to the side drinking
0: <laughs> I I wrote the note to myself that was if watching a drunk, possibly invisible Emily Dickinson in the middle of a bunch of black people dancing around after helping fund the raid on Harper's Ferry doesn't make you smile, this show might not be for you.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's really good and it's um, so good. I love the dancing. Oh my god, like the, the choreography. <laughs> Um, and I love how, like, when Austin approaches the barn, it's like a club because you can, like, yes. hear, the hear the music in the barn. The through
0: the barn wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so funny.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, like, it, and when, Emily, when he goes in and gets Emily and they leave, and then <laughs> I love how, like, Hattie and um, <laughs> someone else, like, outside. And...
0: Smoking. <laughs> yeah, just smoking. Yeah, and to me, that's, like,
1: so real. Like, it's like, yeah, when you go outside the club with your friend so your friend can have a cigarette
0: like yep, yep.
1: yeah it's, and, it's really funny
0: and hattie also gets one of my favorite lines which is you don't know how many white secrets i'm keeping yeah yeah <laughs> which pays off at the end
1: yeah exactly um <laughs> i i have a question yes. as a brit to yes. an american yes who is who is john brown and what was mm. uh the, what was it called? The Harpers? So, the Raid on Harper's Ferry. That's it, the Raid on um, Harper's Ferry. Yeah, go on, lay some I, history on me, because I well, know nothing about this.
0: I will say this does come back in the next episode, but right, okay. I will say John Brown was right. a very prominent abolitionist in America who basically wanted to initiate a slave revolt, and the plan was to attack Harper's Ferry which was like an arsenal or like a fort in Virginia I believe Ooh, yeah. uh so basically they planned to attack and take control of this arsenal in order to initiate the slave rebellion in the south and push for abolition and emancipation through violent means
1: and did they manage
0: to i mean so we are in 1859 i just pulled up the wikipedia it occurs in october 1859 right okay so i think you can answer the question as to whether or not it was successful
1: um Mm. but then is that one of the like inciting incidences of the civil war then Yes. That's
0: really interesting. Yep. I think...
1: Do we, know, yeah. do we know whether it might have been funded by, like, underground newspapers oh, at the time?
0: That I'm not sure about. I don't quite know where they got the funding for what they did. Um, we,
1: need, like, we need, like, an historian
0: to, to come us... and, like,
1: to give us that information. Please, <laughs> please, please, please write to us. Yeah, People we want to know...
0: Yeah, the, the dichotomy between like those who are in the North and those who are in the and South.
1: The, yeah, right, because I think it's really interesting how mm. those that are in the North are trying to emancipate those in the South. Like, it must have been so unusual that you mm-hmm. could be a Black person in America and be a free person in the North and be that a slave in the South. Like,
0: society was that bifurcated.
1: Yeah, it um, must have been so weird. Like, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it, really. Um, Which is lucky.
0: It is (laughs) interesting. Um, I'm looking at this on his Wikipedia page. John Brown had originally asked Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass to join him in the raid, but Harriet Tubman was prevented because she was sick at the time. And Frederick Douglass said no, because he believed Brown's plan was suicidal. And interestingly enough, john brown so john brown is executed as a result of this raid john wilkes booth and walt whitman were both spectators at his execution oh
1: wow it's funny isn't it because like it's it's like one of those things where you 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 know that these people all exist at the same time in theory yeah but then when you hear about their lives actually overlapping you're like "That's, that's that's weird
0: yeah And so basically the raid occurs in uh, October 1859 and John Brown is killed in early December 1859. So they did not waste any time making an example uh, of him.
1: (laughs) I mean, not to like slightly change the topic, but I always think like the 1800s is so interesting. Mm -hmm. The 1800s really are like the beginning of the modern world, like the beginning of the modern age, really, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Well, and I think that's what, you know, the show itself is speaking to, not just in terms of like our relationship to media, which is like the larger theme of this season, but just mm. how a society is functioning, pointing to a lot of the 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 rot that has been there yeah. from the beginning. <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm um I'm reading middle March at the moment.
0: Oh my god, finally. I know, so I just started reading it. Oh, so good!
1: I'm still in book one, but for me, like that kind of says it talks about the same thing because, um, as a novel, I mean, I'm not done yet, but it seems that it kind of spans. Yes, half the book is before the Reform Act Mm -hmm. in the UK, and the other half is afterwards. Yes, as I understand it. And it's kind of a similar thing. Like, that's 18, what's the Reform Act? 18, yes. Mm I want to say 1830 something, but I'm not sure.
0: 1832.
1: In America, you had the Civil War. And in the UK, we had the Reform Act. Mm -hmm. And so, like, think about how much the Western world changed over the course of the 1800s.
0: And it's interesting because another element of Middlemarch that is reflecting that modernity is um, The Railroad, which we see in Dickinson.
1: Yeah, um, right? Because yeah. The Railroad comes through Amherst in season one. Yes. And, and oh. that's kind of, yeah.
0: I had found this wild quote about, um, sorry, for my own research for the script I'm attempting to write, I had found this wild quote about The Railroads in the UK. Oh, go on. The whole face of the kingdom is to be tattooed with these odious deformities. So this was um, an anti-railroad organization that was publishing in the newspaper. That was like, it's so funny to be like, in their efforts to gain ground, they will do incalculable mischief and upend society as we know it. So basically, these people wanted us to live in tiny hamlets for the rest of our lives um well
1: you know there was a lot of like vested interest in not having the railroads mm-hmm. especially because at the time a lot of industry was conducted by canal
0: yeah
1: um yeah. and so it would have it basically destroyed the canal
0: mm-hmm.
1: all, all the like it's industrial stuff was, yeah yeah like it just, just it decimated that because suddenly mm-hmm. you could send things cheaply by yeah. train
0: cheaper um, and faster yeah cheaper and faster yep.
1: um anyway but yeah, that's really interesting. I love that quote. That's so—it's um...
0: fascinating. I found it and was just like, "Man, people have hated tattoos forever, huh?"
1: It's like it's like when it's like when baby boomers complain about smartphones.
0: Yeah, well, I, <laughs> we just repeat the same things over and over again. <laughs> which, like, okay, the radon Harper's Ferry being like a failed attempt at something. And as like a prelude to something much, much larger and a bigger problem is fascinating to me in the context of where we are today. Mm. You figure, okay, so I got my hands on the Split the Lark script, as you know, yeah. and yeah. It have, they have their publishing dates on them. Mm. And so we can see that these episodes were largely written in 2019 like that's really interesting late 2019 so they had planned all of this well in advance of things like you know january 6 and the failed insurrection coup. yeah <laughs> like and then we have this mo- and like as i was watching the episode and this they mentioned john brown and i just sat there like oh shit because i was watching it in the aftermath of the failed coup And I was like, I think we're perched on more of a knife's edge than we realize right now.
1: Oh, 100%. (laughs) I've been saying for ages that America is like one match away from a bonfire. It's terrifying. Um, (laughs) And in this country as well, like Mm -hmm. for any American listeners who aren't aware of this, um, but the United Kingdom uh, in the last few weeks has made it illegal to protest. Wait, really? Yep in this country now it's illegal to protest when did that happen uh it was pushed through parliament as part of a covid emergency powers bill just tacked on just tacked on to the end but the wording the language used explicitly says like that you cannot march in protest
0: shit i didn't realize that
1: to to my understanding i need to now that I've said this on like something that's gonna go out, I'm double checking, but Yeah. Of um, yeah, anti-protest bill.
0: Wow. And of course they just like tacked it on to an emergency powers for COVID thing because Yeah. Oh, a protest is not socially distanced and could easily yeah, exactly. be a super spreader event, despite the fact that like the Black Lives Matter events over the summer where people were mostly masked did not become super spreader events.
1: Yeah. oh <sighs> um, so it's things like this you know you don't really realize until things hit, hit a boiling point yeah you you don't it was exactly like that like you put a kettle on to boil and mm-hmm. the frog nothing happens for ages and then suddenly
0: boom yeah the frog yeah the frog <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we don't say no more just the frog the um, frog that should be
1: Kyle, that should be like our code word for when the eclipse comes. <laughs> frog, Kyle, the
0: frog. The frog, the frog. I feel
1: like, and that basically just means like, meet me in the Appalachian Mountains. I know at that cabin, <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> or meet me in in Antarctica. Yeah, at, at our designated bunker, <laughs> um, along with Haley Steinfeld and Elena Smith.
0: And Elena Smith, they are allowed in. <laughs> No, it's, um. I think the barn, I was curious what that felt like to you watching it, because, like, I remember John Brown and Harper's Ferry, so once they mentioned his name, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's what this is all for.
1: Oh, like, none of that meant anything to me. Yeah, um... so,
0: like, the barn just becomes, like, a, a big celebration if you don't know that, like this isn't going to end well yeah because like
1: <laughs> I didn't I didn't know until you just told me that yeah. it doesn't end well like so to yeah. me I'm like oh this is like the beginning I mean I figured it was the beginning of the Civil War right. from the context of the show of course um, but I thought like oh like it, they must they're celebrating so like things must have be going well going like, okay yeah and and To be honest, like, I didn't really realise what Harper's Ferry was. I was like, is it a ship?
0: Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I think it's the name of the town.
1: Why would you call a town a ferry? I'm sorry. Why not call it, like, a port? Why not Harper's Port? Or, like... H- Harper's Dock, or like, but why would you call it Harper's Ferry? I'm sorry, I don't, America, I don't
0: understand. I, you need to come and justify I, your I, use of English. <laughs> because, uh, I don't know. I'm I, uh, in charge of, okay, <laughs> wait, here we go. The word ferry in the town's name, which the ferry ended in 1824 when a covered wooden bridge was built, Oh, so they couldn't actually, it was originally a ferry across a river, so... That's why. Why didn't you
1: just change it to Harper's Bridge? Like... (laughs) 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 But then, what am I talking about? You've got crazy towns like Stars Hollow and
0: Springfield. That doesn't sound Um, that crazy to me. You guys have names like Hogsmeade. (laughs) 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 There's not a single... Well, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, my my grandmother lives in a town called Toaster, so... um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so: Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I take it all
0: back.: I was going to say, Don't come at me with weird town names. <laughs> <laughs> all of England.:
1: <laughs> um, So I did love the scene in the barn. I thought that was really good. Yeah. And I love that when Austin comes, like he finds Emily drunk, oh, like God. in the midst of all of this, and he can see her. Yes. Um, why do you think, what's your interpretation of why he, Austin can see Emily? And no one else can.
0: I think he says it. I think he says it and makes it pretty clear. Like she's the only thing in his life that he's proud of right now. And it's selfless. Like Lavinia is proud of her, but it's entire, like she makes it entirely about herself and is so wrapped Mm. up in herself and her own issues that she can't see her. Yeah. Whereas for Austin, like he is legitimately proud of his sister and he is legitimately happy for her. And consequently, can see her
1: and perhaps that's about how he sees her her success mm. for itself rather mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. for the sake of fame or popularity or politics or yeah. anything like it's it's it's
0: emily and i think yeah some part yeah. of him is just proud of the fact that his sister is doing the thing that she wants rather than the thing <laughs> that is expected of her
1: I think also like the the other thing that I read into it a bit is like mm. all these other people are so focused on their own lives yeah that they don't pay attention to Emily mm-hmm. like her publishing of her poem is just like a side note in their story to them right um but I think to Austin his own life feels very barren and empty yes. at the moment and it's, it's basically the same as what you're saying like for him she is the only thing to be proud of but also the only thing worth paying attention to maybe
0: and like the only person really acting true to who they are yeah because you figure like Lavinia is trapped in this engagement she doesn't want and he's trapped in a marriage that is very clearly falling apart and Emily is doing what she's doing even though it's hard
1: oh I've just written Sam Bowles as a dick.
0: Um, (laughs) Shocking! Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I do love that he like comes out holding an apple and he's like, I raided the kitchen. There's not much in there. I'm just like, what a shit bag.
1: (laughs) And then he's like, Oh, like nice reproduction. Yeah. Of the, of the painting that Austin's like
0: looking at. Can I just say the cut from the barn with like the fiddle music, to the fucking salon with the yeah, two and girls the, playing, playing really shitty violin. It makes me laugh. I've seen this episode a few times and it makes me laugh every time. I don't care how obvious it is.
1: <laughs> it's so just, good because like, I think it, like, and um, I think the other thing about it is like the black Amherstians have something very real and important yes. to celebrate.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: and the white Amherstians are like having a salon for the sake of having a salon because Emily published a poem, but published none of them really the care. Yep. And I love how Austin, like, when when Emily gets into death's carriage, which we'll talk about in a moment, Austin, like, doesn't go back to the salon. Like, he stays and smokes a cigarette with... <laughs>
0: <laughs> with, with one of the people from the barn. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he's just like, like I'm not going, going back, back there. there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh my God, this is the other thing that was just like the best thing of the, about the episode is death comes back. We death get Wiz Khalifa. Death comes back. And like, Emily's just like, there's my ride. And she like, oh my God. My, I, the thing I love about Haley Steinfeld as mm-hmm. Emily is just when she falls down, like <laughs> any, any scene in which she falls down is like um, my favorite thing. Like in, <laughs> in my favorite episode of season one where in Wild Nights where she falls down the stairs. Yep. Um, when she's trying to chase Sue and she's like, wait, Sue. And she like falls on her face.
0: Like, I just it. love it yeah. so
1: much. And like here when she's climbing into the carriage just like, and she like,
0: clap.
1: and I love how they like um, did that cut as well. Like where she, she falls. And then she's like wearing the d- red dress the and dress she's in and the, the carriage. Dress. Yeah. And, yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of one of my favorite comedy, British comedy. Muddy moments of all time Ooh. which is in the very first episode of absolutely fabulous where um jennifer saunders drunkenly falls out of a london taxi cab and falls flat on her face on her way home oh and that's just like my f- it's such a classic scene and emily falling into that carriage when she's drunk is very like
0: Jennifer Saunders would be proud, yeah, it
1: reminded me of that it, yeah, <laughs> Jennifer Saunders would be proud, but I loved seeing Wes Cleaver again, and as I th- as we said earlier, like his performance was so much better
0: it's so good this entire again I was like, this is the show operating at like its peak, doing everything because death has shown up, but also <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe is there
1: yeah, and I love that the the idea that like death and Edgar Allan Poe are just like cruising around in this carriage
0: trying to get edgar the ghost of edgar Allan poe laid
1: (laughs) yeah basically um but yeah i think this is kind of like a great moment where Mm because emily's had this conversation with nobody at the beginning of the episode and then she's had this conversation with austin in the middle Mm -hmm. well not the middle but kind of yeah she's had this conversation with austin and then she's finally having this like conversation with Edgar Allan Poe. And this is kind of like another take on fame. Yeah. On top of what everyone else has told her from Edgar Allan Poe. And yeah, I I like Edgar Allan Poe's work, but he did have an extremely depressing, weird life.
0: Oh yeah. And it does not end well.
1: No. It's th- exactly
0: like Death says. Like
1: what was it? What does Poe say about his death? He was like, like,
0: he died of mysterious circumstances very on brand. And then Death is like, no, you drank yourself to death. Which is basically. true. Yep. Yeah. I do love him rattling off. He's like, okay, stop me when you get to your favorite of my works. And Emily's just like, I've only read The Raven.
1: <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like that's that's kind of true now as well. Like yeah. how many people have read Edgar Allan Poe really? Like
0: Right. I feel like most people encountered it by watching like that tree house of horror episode of the Simpsons where they just do the Raven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was my first exposure to Poe. Like I'm not
0: ashamed of it. That, that was, yeah, I think it was mine too. Uh, yeah. There you go. Like
1: it's, <laughs> it's a classic episode of the Simpsons. It's very um, good.
0: <laughs> it, it too will not survive time. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I, I like how Emily's
1: like, well, I also am a writer And uh, Poe is just like what you've had—like one poem published in 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 a regional newspaper, yeah—and you think you're hot
0: shit. Like he's like, I'm famous and I'm dead. (laughs) Like I can't do shit now. He's cruising around with death forever, and (laughs) death is like not forever. You got to get out of (laughs) here.
1: Yeah, and I love how like Khalifa in portraying death, he kind of he kind of portrays that aspect of death. Which is that death is there to keep people humble, yeah. Because whenever Poe tries to big himself up, death like
0: slaps him out back
1: down, yeah, yeah, and like it just—it's true, right? Like like vanitas, like remember you must die. Like death does keep us humble because like you can be Jeff Bezos, but you're still going to die one day, and I'm going to die.
0: I I've been feeling this a lot recently. <laughs> I'm just like don't other people feel like the sands of time pull it like drifting through our hands or are we just like ignoring it all collectively?
1: I think western culture is built yeah. on is built on the premise that we are immortal even though we're not.
0: Right? Like we're all just I, I, desperately trying to ignore it. We very much. We
1: talked about this a bit last season when in the final episode of Dickinson season mm. 1 where Emily as a funeral. And I I think very much like in this day and age, we live in denial of death.
0: I think we do. And I think this particular moment in history with like COVID and all of that is sort of throwing that into relief Mm. where it's like, you are not going to be around forever.
1: Yeah. Like not only are you not immortal, but the people you love are not immortal and they may die and, Mm. and you may follow them people if you're listening to this podcast at home like my recommendation is go on youtube and look up ask a mortician because she does a good youtube channel there's this mortician lady and she does a lot of really good stuff talking about funerals and death and grief and Mm. like all of this stuff and then my other recommendation is do an end of life plan for yourself
0: Ooh, like yeah.
1: no matter no matter how old you are, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to have a will. Right. But like sit down one day and somewhere where someone's gonna find it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: write out what you want to happen after you die and who you want to have what, all of that stuff. Because it's not selfish. People think it's selfish, but it's not selfish. When you die and someone has to deal with it, they will be very thankful that you left some instructions for them
0: yeah in the living realm there are things left for us to take care of logistics yeah like it's not just grief it's also like what do i do with all this crap that this person accumulated
1: yeah like all your belongings your bank account like they have to show your your house your like your house yeah um any debt that you have Mm -hmm. like do, do not just leave debt as a surprise for people.
0: <laughs> Please don't do that.
1: <laughs> like So, like, if you're listening to this and you haven't done that, mm. like, pause the podcast, go go do
0: that. <laughs> then come back and, <laughs> and, and, then come back and finish this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> like, that's my recommendation. Um, as a yeah. social worker, I'm telling yeah. you,
0: um, that's funny, I know my parents have one, and we've discussed it, but I don't have one for myself
1: i i, I Kyle
0: I am younger than you and I have one, so you have no excuse. The practical um, steps that we get out of edicts on edicts <laughs> down, ask a mortician, end of life plan <laughs> Anyway, people can find out which poem I want read at my funeral. <laughs>
1: exactly yeah. preferably one by emily bronte um <laughs> moving, <laughs> moving on yeah she has this meeting with edgar Allan poe which i think is really funny as well and um, yep. i like how she, how they end up just like she's like can you drop me at Sue's?" and then he's like yeah oh. and then she's like i want to be fashionably late Wait, and i just
0: <laughs> you missed one of my other favorite lines where he's like she's like can i get dropped off at Sue's?" and edgar Allan poe's like who suit does she put out?
1: And she does. Um, she, as a matter of fact, <laughs> she does. <laughs> but yeah, like, I love how Emily's just like, this idea that for like an hour or two, it was just yeah. like Emily and Death and Edgar Grand Poe in a carriage, like drinking. Yeah. And just like chatting shit. And you just know that their conversations would have been as boring as everyone's drunken conversations are. Like... <laughs> in the kitchen after the party yep. when you are like too inebriated to think straight and you just think you know all the answers and you and you set the world to rights
0: i re- like you and i have had this conversation where we were in a bar i re- maybe whatever and we were both like i feel like we both made a terrible choice because we chose to be interesting <laughs> <laughs>
1: We are so pretentious. It's I awful. Like, it's awful.
0: <laughs> I'm, do you know what? I'm
1: so glad that there was a significant language barrier between us and most other people in that bar because...
0: Oh, God. Oh, my God. Could Can you imagine? you imagine how insufferable?
1: <laughs> we just, we're just, like, there casting judgment on everyone else around us. Like, look at all these, like, gays and, like, oh. how dumb they are. It's like... <laughs>
0: What a bunch of... Bar- we're awful, aren't we? We really are. But it's cool because uh, we're broadcasting how awful we are. So,
1: Yeah. To, I'm not like this usually, guys. Usually I, I'm a real salt-of-the-earth
0: person. No, you're uh, not.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: just Kyle. Kyle's the word. I Kyle's am the
0: insufferable.
1: <laughs> I own it but you have a, you have an Emmy so who the fuck I do
0: care I know who, who cares what anyone else thinks like that's my getting published in the Springfield Republican I'm gonna be like when I'm old and like sad I'll hold up that fucking certificate and be like Just you're oh. in that
1: carriage with uh, Poe and Emily Emily, Emily <laughs> and they're like, like what's a TV
0: <laughs> and you'll be like it actually wasn't on TV it was for a streaming platform <laughs> And then you'll be like, there was this thing called Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) And you won't understand this, Emily, but it revolutionized television. Emily, imagine like a newspaper in your eyeballs. (laughs) Anytime. It's great. You can get whatever you want. You want to watch... You want to watch the gay man do the makeovers? It's cool. We could do that. Do you want to, I don't know, do you want to watch Charlie's Theron? She's on it, too. God. I think I just peed myself. <laughs> this is why I chose to go to the bathroom. Damn it, Kyle. Uh- <laughs> It's all right. I'm I'm sat next to the washing machine. It'll be fine. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> skipping a jump. It's fine. It's a mess and we're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we need
1: to we need to keep going because we've gotta yep. we've gotta yep, yep. we've gotta talk about the poetry. We've gotta um, talk about the poetry.
0: <laughs> this and is we're not to...
1: even done with the episode
0: yet. All so right. okay, so Emily gets out of the death carriage and goes into Sue <laughs> and Austin's
1: house. Yep, and she's like, she goes up to the bookcase and just to prove that she is as pretentious as we are, mm-hmm. she's like, "That's where I'll go again, like on yeah, the bookshelf, just,
0: just in case you forgot, this is where I'll be."
1: <laughs> and then, like, she basically discovers Sue and Sam. Yes, boinking in the library.
0: Uh, I would with like the to say. Pipe. They are not boinking. He's eating her out, which is incredible. Um, Good job, show.
1: There's been a lot of cunnilingus, though, in this show. Like there has been. You bunch of filthy pussy munchers. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) You're talking about the cat.
1: I wasn't... Well, okay.
0: No. Um, (laughs) But I love this ending. Not necessarily in, like, it being unpredictable or something like that, but, like... So I think there's, like
1: two things here that are really interesting to me and the first one is that emily assumes sue can see her right um and then sue can't see her which is like shocking
0: or Um, can she this is my thing where like the very very end they're making there is some eye contact yeah Yeah. it's like
1: eye contact but like is it like real eye contact or is it just like
0: I don't know, and I love it like, it's so confusing it's so good
1: it is good it's very it's 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 the perfect amount of vague
0: yep I will yeah. say i so I watched elena Smith's like breakdown of the split the lark episode, she yeah did one for the Writers' Guild Foundation, and she talks about how a major influence on the sue emily relationship this season was patricia highsmith (gasps) who i mentioned in the first episode of the show yeah um, and like that whole weird psychosexual like talented mr ripley thing the second she said it i was like oh my god that makes so much sense
1: patricia highsmith is genuinely
0: quite a scary writer um, she scares the shit out of me <laughs> like, yeah yeah I mean, not so much almost, carol and the price of salt but like the talented mr ripley deeply unnerved me
1: <laughs> yeah of course it did because it's a genuinely fucking terrifying story <laughs> yes. um yeah i mean there's a lot of very broody angry lesbians in Patricia Highsmith's work, yeah, and um, <laughs> I think that that does carry over somewhat. Um, mm. And I think one of the things that Patricia Highsmith did that like made her unpopular now to some mm. extent is that she she kind of was of the opinion that women could be quite cruel to each other, right? And and even though she wrote about women falling in love, she also kind of wrote about women h- hurting each other. Mm-hmm. in that in those relationships quite quite badly you know yes. and i think yeah i can see how that's kind of carrying over here but it is shocking when 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 this happens sure. because it kind of shows just how far sue and emily have drifted
0: really yes and also having you know when we started the season i already knew that this had happened or was <laughs> happening so like mm. re-watching the whole season you see that sort of power dynamic like it's very clearly laid out oh uh, even in like odd bits of dialogue like there's a point in episode five where sam Bowles says like oh sue don't you know everybody's interested in your dainty circle <laughs> oh like, ew gross <coughs> <laughs> <The> f- <laughs> ew Ah. <laughs> oh. Which is very intentional and very disgusting. That is gross.
1: That is very gross.
0: No, it's, it's it's fascinating to see just how far they've drifted and how much Sue has kind of been manipulating Emily. Yes,
1: and I think that um, Sue is... I mean, it's easy to say Sam Bowles is the villain of the season, but in a mm. way I kind of feel like Sue is because she's just using austin and using emily and
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and not and then like sam is married as well so
0: to her best friend from childhood
1: yeah oh yeah oh yeah i mean oh god that's that's rough Yep. and then the episode ends with emily deciding to sit and watch
0: oh god and It's, it's like
1: yeah she decides and i guess she decides to watch out of like protest i maybe
0: quite figure it out but that made me love it all the more
1: yeah i mean i think it's supposed to be vague is it protest or is it possession or is it anger or or jealousy yeah or like we don't I, really know
0: i love it because so much when i was learning like screenwriting stuff they tell you like keep your emotions simple like through each scene and I think, like, this is a moment of things are very unclear and very ambiguous, and it totally works, because it is a giant mess of, like, ugly emotions coming through.
1: Yeah, and, like, people don't always do the logical, clear-cut thing. No. And people don't always understand or process their emotions and their responses. Like, you, mm-hmm. we, we all do things that we can't explain sometimes.
0: Yes. Because, like, you figure she is... Watching her brother's wife and her is, former uh, lover, yeah, and dearest friend having set or like cheating Commit with somebody adultery. else, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she chooses to sit and watch. Yeah, ugh,
1: and it's almost about like witnessing
0: as yeah. much as anything else. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, crikey, what an end to an episode! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Right, I am thoroughly exhausted,
0: Carl I'm sure you are You
1: have worn me out So uh, you can have one of the two poems
0: Okay I'll do I Taste a Liquor Never Brewed Um, Yeah, go on, why
1: don't you read that for
0: us I would like to say According to Wikipedia Was published in the Springfield Republican In 1861 Oh But, in an ironic twist There are no remaining copies Oh So (laughs) Emily's immortality is lost.
1: Does that mean that we don't know what it said?
0: So there's like a facsimile of it on the page, like on the Wikipedia page. And of course, most of the dashes have been removed. Um, (gasps) Not the shadow of Mabel Loomis, (laughs) Todd. Already her specter looms over us.
1: She's like, do you know what she's like? She's like, um, if like Sam Bowles is like Sauron... Like, Mabel Loomis Todd is, like, more goth. Like, like the greater <laughs> evil. Like That's just, like, in the
0: background of, like, I don't know I what was I'm going, going to say. Like, if it's we're one doing in the that, morning. Yeah. I was like, we're <laughs> going to do that. I was like, I need to frame it in terms of Buffy. So I guess Mabel Loomis Todd <laughs> is the first evil, which makes it boring and annoying, and you just wanted to get out of your face. <laughs> I nearly threw up that time. (laughs) Stop it. I'm sorry. I'm just so hilarious this morning. It's because I had both coffee and tea. So I'm like hella caffeinated at the moment.
1: I am. Okay. I think I just need to sit quietly and for you to calmly read this nice poem to me. I think that's what I want out of life right now.
0: So here is the... I Taste a Liquor Never Brewed, which was published under the title, The May Wine, even though Dickinson herself never published titles. I taste a liquor never brewed from tankard scooped in pearl. Not all the Frankfurt berries yield such an alcohol. Inebriate of air am I and debauchee of dew, reeling through endless summer days from inns of molten blue. When landlords turn the drunken bee out of the foxglove's door, when butterflies renounce their drams, I shall but drink the more. Till seraphs swing their snowy hats and saints to windows run to see the little tippler leaning against the sun. I like that. That's that a is- nice, it's a little. good little poem. It's a nice little poem. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's a, it's, a, it's a good poem. It's got a lot of very beautiful imagery in it. Mm-hmm. We could definitely discuss it. However, I feel like Lavinia was pretty say. much pretty much tells us what the poem is about.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Lavinia <laughs> does the work for us this
1: time. It is, it, is a, it is about the intoxicating effect of good old Mother Nature.
0: Good old nature. Doing some forest breathing, that Emily Dickinson. This does remind me of that, like, so as I, again,
1: I'm going to boast about my beautiful folio edition of Emily poems. <laughs> um, the, the front cover is actually her hiking outdoors. Oh. Um, yeah. And um, inside in the introduction, it says like, we wanted to show Emily when she was younger and would get, and would, and was known for, like going for walks, I can't remember exactly mm. what it says, but they're they're pointing out that like a lot of her poems are about nature, right? Because she spent a lot of time in nature,
0: mm.
1: which is like not actually like it's not exactly algebra, is it? Like yeah, she writes about nature, and it's not it's not like an, she's not like an armchair,
0: right? Bottomless. Like she yes she she, she got her hands dirty,
1: she got uh, yeah exactly. It's nice to like know that and the other thing is like um i often worry that the real emily dickinson didn't have enough fun in her life Mm. um and any any situation anything that gets her high i'm yeah you go girl (laughs)
0: you you go girl
1: (laughs) yeah you breathe that mountain air and and drink that morning dew and whatever whatever floats your boat emily whatever Um,
0: floats your harper's ferry (laughs) No Oh no Okay Stop Um, me please (laughs) I think
1: uh, Yeah I think that that is where we will draw this Extra bumper edition Do you want to read
0: the fame as a bee poem It's four lines Uh, You do it Okay Fame as a bee It has a song It has a sting Ah too It has a wing There you go There you go It's pretty obvious Fame has an appeal It has a downside, and it leaves you pretty fast. Done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Done. That's, that's, your, that's your words to the wise there, Kyle.
0: <laughs> yep. As someone who that's... has met a lot of famous people, can confirm.
1: Yeah, fuck. I would not want to be famous. Nope. Oh, my God.
0: Someday I will tell you about the funeral that I had for the side of me that wants to be famous. <laughs> Speaking of death. That is... Uh, I... <laughs> Do you know what? Like, I'm
1: right. not even surprised. No. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I just I'm gonna go I'm gonna go upstairs, I'm gonna write in my diary. Carl revealed he had a, a funeral for this part that wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. Figures.
0: I'm just glad I will figure into somebody's diary. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when they find it after the apocalypse, they
0: will know that you were a person. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> 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 oh oh my no. Oh no.
1: God. Well, thank you for making me laugh.
0: That's... You're very welcome.
1: Yeah. Um and I'm sorry to our listeners who probably didn't find that quite as funny
0: as I did. Um They better fucking found it funny. <laughs> <laughs> what are you listening I, to this for? I mean,
1: that was legitimate I mean, that's play worthy.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> you Should write that down.
1: You should write this shit down, Kyle. It's Thanks. good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Elena, if you're hiring for season four, um, I think Kyle, you should
1: hire Kyle as a writer, and I'll just come on as like a consultant, like a
0: general person of significance, getting people hyped, being like that dress. Mm. I,
1: no, see, I wouldn't even be like that. Okay, I would just, I'd just be like, "Fucking do your jobs." Emily wouldn't do that. What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bat him with a newspaper. Right. How many loaves of bread? Oh my god! Just blow up the bread scale for this episode. Like fifteen out of ten. I fucking love it. You're like, okay.
1: I am not even going to give it any bread. I am instead going to award it with Emily's prize winning
0: cake. Yeah, that heinous brandy soaked cake. (laughs) Yep.
1: Congratulations, you have. You have had your cake and eaten it. Well done, Dickinson. Well done.
0: And don't worry, there's two of them, so we can both give them the cake.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, that's true. (laughs)
0: Double cake. Yeah. My God. So good. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, thanks for listening, guys. You can contact us at edicts on edicts at gmail.com. We do read our emails. Um, We've been getting... We've A been getting
0: emails, emails. yes. Yeah,
1: it's really nice. Um, we do so, read them. Yes. Um, I have yet to reply to any.
0: It's cool. I'm responding I, to all the emails. There. Yeah,
1: Kyle's doing all the legwork. It's simply because I'm avoiding spoilers. Yes. <clears throat> um, but as soon as I am caught up, mm. I will be tearing my way through those emails.
0: And um, <laughs> someday when we haven't recorded for two plus hours we will discuss the emails
1: <laughs> yeah definitely a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah so folks do do email in we we love it um and yeah if you've got anything really interesting to say we will be reporting it on the podcast a hundred percent so right then thanks for All tuning right. in guys Bye. Bye. <laughs>